<clears throat> Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week is Parashas Matos Masai, and we're going to be learning the halachas of the nine days. The nine days began tonight, beginning from Shkia, which has passed, and uh, onwards till Tishabav. We refrain from eating meat or meat dishes throughout the night soup, throughout the nine days, unless it is a Sudas Mitzah. Children who are old enough to understand the idea of a prohibition, like four or five, uh, should not be fed these foods as well. Likewise, wine is avoided and not added to dishes throughout the nine days. Erev Shabbos, tomorrow, if you're Mikabal Shabbos early, obviously there's no problem eating flesh eggs. And if you're serving children, who are going to be going to sleep before it becomes night, you can also serve them flesh eggs as that is their quote-unquote Shabbos meal. So that's also okay. We don't wear any new clothes or freshly laundered clothes throughout the nine days, with the exception of Shabbos. In order to prepare clothes for the nine days, which I hope everybody did already, we wear them for a short amount of time, about 10 or 20 minutes, for a short or a squirt or whatever it is it takes to remove the status of freshly laundered. New clothing also should be avoided totally, even if you wore it. You should prefer, preferably not wear new clothing except on Shabbos. If this wasn't done before the nine days, so it can be done on Shabbos as well, as long as it's not, you're not overtly preparing for the weekdays. So if you're going to be wearing, a, I don't know, something which is very weekday-ish, a jean skirt or something like that, something that's very weekday-ish um, on Shabbos, and you don't normally do that, then it's um, then that would be an issue because that's hachana. You can see clearly you're preparing for a weekday, but otherwise you can do that, and then that'll help for the nine days. This problem of freshly laundered clothing is a, applies to pajamas, and it also applies to linen. So you can't change linen during the nine days, freshly laundered linen. Uh, you can do it for Shabbos, but you can't do it for uh, tonight or uh, any day of the week next week. This does not apply to undergarments for most people or macbed on them, and those don't have to be pre-worn. And as far as shells are concerned, we could consider it an undergarment. Most people do, do see, treat it that way. <clears throat> Laundry can't be done for adults during the nine days. Neither can we give something into the cleaners or non-Jew, even if we only want to use it after the nine days. For children who soil their clothing often, it is permitted to do laundry. Exactly what age is included is not clear, but definitely kind of old. So even 9, 10, probably 11 maybe, boy or girl might make a difference. As long as they, they get their clothes being dirty kind of frequently, there you have a hazard for them. No clothing can be bought or ordered during the nine days. Likewise, no item which gives significant pleasure may be purchased like um, furniture, home decorations, etc. If there is an unusual sale, a shayla should be asked. Simple needs can be purchased, but even a small electric appliance like a hand blender can be purchased. So when we say you're not supposed to buy things during the nine days, it really is mainly referring to clothing and referring to larger purchases which give a person significant pleasure. Uh, like renovations of a house also can't be done. Buying things to decorate your house can't be done. Those are things that give a person significant pleasure, but little appliances, little things obviously can be bought. Clothing also can't be tailored, and having a shaitel washed or cut is equivalent to tailoring or washing clothing, and therefore is prohibited 
even for Shabbos. You can't um, do laundry for Shabbos. You can wear fresh laundry, but you can't do laundry for Shabbos. We don't wash or shower or swim during the nine days. If a person is very uncomfortable or has gotten dirty, for one reason or another, they may shower in lukewarm water. It doesn't have to be cold, but it shouldn't be bath temperature. But it should be kept brief and to the point with a minimum of soap and shampoo just as necessary. It's important to understand that although we like to think that over here in America it's different, we take showers much more often than, than anybody used to, used to, it's not really true. If you learn the Gemara, they would bathe themselves every day. You can see they're very clear in the Gemara, they would bathe themselves every day. And nonetheless, and they were very macbid on it. It meant a lot to them. But nonetheless, uh, Chazal prohibited it during the nine days. It's not, that isn't what the difference, that isn't the difference between us and them. The actual difference between us and them is that we have a very low threshold for being uncomfortable. And they were much more able to be uncomfortable and, and, and keep on living. So as much as a person gets uncomfortable, they can take a shower, but it should, again, should be kept brief and as little as possible. And a person should try to cut down as much as possible. Children may bathe and they may swim, although we do tend to avoid that as well, even for small children, because of safety concerns. Even swimming lessons should be delayed if possible, but there, there is a heter to go ahead with uh, swimming lessons. Now, this year, there's two Shabbosim during the nine days, and next Shabbos is Shabbos Chazayin, and this Shabbos is not Shabbos Chazayin, and therefore this Shabbos is more lenient. And would mean to say, we'll see next week, Be'ez Hashem will talk about the preparations for Shabbos Chazayin, but preparations for this Shabbos, one can shower regularly. So when a person is showering covered Shabbos, you can take a regular hot shower. Cutting nails is permitted this week covered Shabbos, and shaving for women waxing eyebrows is equivalent to cutting nails, and can only be done Lekavit Shabbos or for the mikvah. Freshly laundered clothing can be worn for Shabbos. One should try not to taste food which contains meat, but if it's necessary, it can be tasted and you should not swallow. And as I said before, children who usually eat before Shabbos and go to sleep can be given Shabbos food, including meat. Next Shabbos is and not only Shabbos Chazayin, it's actually Tishabav. And when Shabbos is Tishabav, marital relations are forbidden. And we'll talk again, we'll talk about that Bez Hashem next week when we talk about Shabbos Chazayin and the halachas of Tishabav itself. <clears throat> this week is Parshas Matas Masai. And Parshas Masai, second one, is the very last Parsha, the final Parsha in Sefer Bamidbar. And it's a very, very interesting parsha. Truly, it's really the end of the Torah, as far as the Torah was written up till here, because Sefer Devarim is written in a very different fashion than the first four Svarim. It is Maish Rabbeinu talking in his own voice, not as a third-party observer. All the events up till Devarim are in Nevoa straight from Hashem's dictation, but Sefer Devarim is Maish's own words, where he's putting the Nevoa that he received from Hashem into his own words. So the Sefer Devarim is starts a whole new chalik of the Torah, but as, Torah, as the Torah was written up till this point, ends with Sefer Bamidbar. And therefore, Parashas Bamidbar, as it ends the Torah, the story of the Torah, in a sense, it also sums up all that happened to the Jews in the Midbar. The whole beginning of the Parsha says exactly where Kal Yisrael went in the Midbar. It starts from Mitzrayim, and there from Ramsais, and, Ramsais, and then from there to Sukkot, and then to Asa, Mikteh Amidbar, until they reach Sinai, and it goes through all the different places that they pass through. 
it interjects here and there with a detail or two. It mentions that Aaron passed away. It mentions that Klai Yisrael got attacked immediately after. What's interesting, though, is a number of things. First of all, each place is repeated twice, and it's seemingly redundant. It says, they traveled to Ramses, and then it says, they left Ramses, and they traveled to Sukkot. They left Sukkot, and they traveled to Asam. They left Asam, and they... So each place is mentioned two times. They went there, and they left there. They went there. Well, obviously, if they went there, then when they left, they left there. It says it two times. It's interesting. Another interesting thing about these psukim is that when you lane them in the Torah, we don't lane them with the typical tune that we lane the rest of the Torah. The trap is laned differently. We lane them with a unique tune, the tune that we lane a shira, like the shira of Az Yashir has a special niggin, a special tune. That's the tune that we put to these worlds, words as well. So what's the chat? What is the purpose of listing out all the places? Why mention them twice? And why are we saying them in a tune of Shira? So Rashi brings two pshatim here to just explain why these travels are even mentioned. First pshat Rashi says is that these travels were written to let us know the kindness of Hashem. Although they had been destined to wander in the Midbar for 40 years as a punishment for the chait of the Miraglim, and that decree was fulfilled, they did wander for 40 years. Nevertheless, Hashem did not make them move often. He didn't make them chase them around the Midbar. Because if you calculate the travels, most of them were in the first year, when Hashem was trying to get them to Midbar Sina and then quickly to Eretz Yisrael, and then they did the Chet Meraglim. And then the last year, when they actually moved into Eretz Yisrael, so for 38 years, they only changed position 20 times, which is not a lot. It's like, and if you average it, it's about two years of place. So this Rashi quotes from Rav Moshe Hadash, and it was a chesed of a Kaddish Baruch Hu that he didn't make them move too often. Then he brings another shot, an additional shot from Medishtan Chuma. The Medishtan Chuma gives a muscle to a king who had traveled with his son to a distant land to get a cure for his son's disease. And then his son got cured. On their way back, the king recounted each place they passed, the trials, the tribulations they faced there. Here we rested, here we froze, here your head started to hurt. And that is what HaKadosh Baruch was doing by going through all the Masais, all their travels. Now, what does this muscle mean? What sickness are we talking about? And what is the point of what the king was doing? What, what relevance does it have that Hashem should be doing the same thing? So there's a Pirish given explanation given to this Rashi by Rabbi Vadya Barthanura, who's known for his commentary to the Mishnah, is just referred to as the Barthanura. He explains that the sickness here is the spiritual sickness that Klai Yisrael suffered in Mitzrayim through Avedu Zorah and other Averis that they committed there. As Hashem brought them through the Midbar and gave them the Tyra, they began to overcome this sickness and to change, improve. The closer they got to Israel, the greater they became. And they grew near to the level of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Ma'alas Avaisam, they reached the Ma'ala, the, the level, the elevated level of their fathers, whom the Shekhinah rested on always. That was the life that Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov lived. They lived constantly in the presence of the Shekhinah. Hashem was now reviewing each place, he writes, the Baratanura, and reminding them of the different tests they had in each place and the sins they committed and the failures that happened in each place. That's what the Baratanura says. Now that seems counterproductive. Here, this king seems to want to express his gratitude and love for his son and talk about how much they suffered and have to be grateful that they finally made it home safely. But according to this interpretation, Hashem is seemingly giving them Musa. 
it doesn't go well with the first shot that says the purpose here is to recount the kindness of Hashem. And in addition, why would we read it like a shira, a praise of Hashem, something joyous, if the purpose is to give us Musa and tell us all that various we did? And truth is, if they truly had grown strong and repented and come close to Milos of Isam, the level of Aramis like Yaakov, like the Bartanura says, why even remind them of their past Averis? That, that is one of the Isurim of Anas Dvarim, to point out to someone who has repented of his past sins. So I saw in Sefer Chidusha Halev a beautiful thought on this, which I'd like to share, develop a little. And it helps us understand part of what we need to do while mourning for the Besa Mikdash during these weeks, during the nine days. Chidusha Halev explains that Hashem wasn't giving Musa. On the contrary, He was demonstrating to us how much we have grown and how we achieved each step of our greatness. Reminding someone of their sins is painful if the point is to denigrate them and to hint to them that they aren't all that good. But if the point is to show a person, look what you were and look how much you've accomplished, look what you've become, look how far you've come and, and grown, then it's the opposite. It's a tremendous chizuk and a reason to praise Hashem. At the close of the Torah, through Sefer Bar it's imperative to look back and realize all that had been accomplished throughout the journey of the Jews. It would seem, one could think, that the time spent in the Midbar was wasted time. They could and should have been in Eretz Yisrael, and instead spent it wandering endlessly in the Midbar as punishment. But Hashem demonstrates now that this isn't the case. Nothing was wasted. If the point would have been to punish them, they would have been forced to move much, much more often. But each place had a purpose, and it had a point. Each place contributed to Kai Yisrael, growing to a new level. Averis, sinning is unfortunate, but it has a purpose as well. If we grow and improve, then our Averis becomes chusim, because they have brought us to a new level of spirituality, of greatness. The first shot of Rashi, that the Masais, the travels are listed to demonstrate kindness, fits very well with the second shot, that it's a king recounting their travels so that they can appreciate them. It was kindness. Each place, it wasn't without a purpose. And now they looked back at each one and began to understand how much they grew and how it brought them to where they are. And as such, it makes sense why we read it in the tune of Ashira. The understanding of this concept is the greatest praise that anybody can give Hashem, declaring Hashem, He's right. Hashem is a tzaddik. He's righteous and everything He does is purposeful and for our benefit. We mentioned the places we went and how we left, and we'd say it twice. You know why? Because we took the place with us. The Ramban alludes to this. We didn't just visit there and, and travel through. We, got, we went there, and then we left. we left with it. We took the place with us. It lives on. It was a, a part of our growth. The interesting thing here is that Hashem has to point this out to Kali Yisrael. He has to point out, look at all these places. Look how much you've grown. Look how many tests you had and how you overcome them overcame them. Apparently, they wouldn't have understood this on their own. Sefer Chedush Alev writes that this is unfortunate, unfortunately the reality. We tend to overlook our achievements and zero in on our failures. We don't even take stock of how much we have accomplished and grown from the failures. We need Hashem to point it out to us. And if it's not pointed out to us, we don't appreciate our growth and we don't act according to our level. We have to know ourselves and understand what we have achieved if we're meant to continue to grow and build upon this. But I think there's another point here as well. At times, we can only understand the process 
of growth and achievement at the very end. When we see what we have become, when we see the final product, then we appreciate all the work and suffering that went into it. When we graduate, we begin to appreciate school. When a child gets married, the parents look back and say, oh, it was all worth it. That is a message that's so important to us in Gullah. We're traveling from place to place. Hashem doesn't shake us up so much, but we have moved quite a bit, and we have had our tests and trials. And Hashem says, look back and appreciate where all this has brought you. There is not a single place that you went that didn't have a purpose. There isn't a single place that you're wasting your time. Everyone, every single one has brought you to a new level, and every single one has contributed to your growth. And eventually, when we get to the end of the Gullahs, we'll look back and say, wow, it was all worth it. It brought us to the level of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Sin was unfortunate. Carbon is unfortunate. But it has a point, and it has a purpose. If we utilize it, and we recognize what we have grown from it, so that we know where we're going and where we're meant to go. Have a good night and a good Shabbos.